الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونعوذ به من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الواحد الأحد الفرد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وهادينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله وما كان الله ليعذبهم وأنت فيهم وما كان الله معذبهم وهم يستغفرون من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له ومن يعتصم بالله فقد هدي إلى صراط مستقيم أما بعد Dear committed Muslims أيها المؤمنون I want to clarify that the subject matter that we've been dealing with in these khutbas are imposed upon us. We are not in charge of what happens to us as individuals and as societies and as a block of Muslims in the world. There are forces and powers and superpowers and megapowers and hyperpowers, all of them scheming and strategizing and satanically trying to influence us in every direction except the direction to Allah Jalla wa'ala. And we are not here on Fridays making believe we live in another reality or on another planet. What aches one Muslim should ache the rest of the Muslims. What becomes painful to one Muslim community should become painful to other Muslim communities. And what is bleeding us should be the concern of all of us. The meanings of the ayat to this end are aplenty. And the hadiths of Allah's Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his are also multitudes of hadiths. مَنْ أَصْبَحَ وَلَمْ يَهْتَمَّ بِأُمُورِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ فَلَيْسَ مِنْهُمْ 
Whoever begins his day oblivious of the affairs of the Muslims is not one of them. And this hadith is in the rubric of the ayat. But indeed committed Muslims are brothers of each other. So in this context, what we have, and this is an issue Muslims should be aware of, what we have is an unhealthy, rather a pernicious campaign of rumors and propaganda, lies and accusations that have settled in certain minds and in certain communities. And the end result of these, this manufactured information deliberately intended to divide the Muslims, the end result of that becomes bad feelings and in some instances hostility by Muslims toward other Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to clear the air on this issue when the elements and the dynamics are what they are today. He says in Surah Al-Hujurat, this is ayah number six in Surah Al-Hujurat. If a person of a lesser character, if a degenerate personality comes to you with news, then you have to seek evidence lest you accuse a people with descriptions, with characteristics, with a rundown of their history, etc., out of ignorance. The result of which will be you will regret what you did. This is, this ayah encapsulates the back and forth accusations and counter accusations that have generated the bad feelings within Muslim communities, among Muslim societies, that have resulted in the terrible warfare that has become now 
the headlines and the speaking material of anyone and everyone except for a Muslim who ascends the minbar in the masjid. That person is forbidden to shed Quranic and prophetic light on what is happening. Another ayah to this meaning, ayah number 36 in Surah Al-Isra says, وَلَا تَقْفُ مَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٍ إِنَّ السَّمْعَ وَالْبَصَرَ وَالْفُؤَادِ كُلُّ أُولَٰئِكَ كَانَ عَنْهُ مَسْؤُولًا These ayats are an indictment of the fear mongers, the rumor mongers, the war mongers that have proliferated in societies and in areas far and near. Now, we take a look at our historical personality. As Muslims, we have a history. And we try to look at the common elements or the common denominators in this history. That first generation of Muslims that was raised by Allah's Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that was nurtured by Allah's Prophet's teachings that was educated by Allah's dear Prophet did they not have their differences? You can go back to your own history books you can go back to your own sources of knowledge and you will find that yes there were differences of opinion among that prophetic generation Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali in addition to the rest of these companions of Allah's Prophet they had their differences. But I challenge you, because if we set our own standards, whether they are historical or whether they are contemporary, we have to abide by them. So ask yourself and pass this question on to those who are within your circle to your friends, to your colleagues, to your acquaintances, to your relatives. Okay, there was a difference, let's say, between Abi Bakrin and Omar, or between Omar and Ali, or between Uthman and Abi Dhar, etc. Those differences were there. Anyone who is objective and anyone who is willing to speak the truth and not chained by the check at the end of the month considerations and not muffled by certain political calculations when we look at these differences we realize they never ever generated hate none of these differences generated any 
hate whatsoever. So the question is, if we all agree to that concept or to that perception of history that we all share, then the question is, if these differences at that time did not generate hate or hate-mongering or wars of hate, then why is it doing so today? Why are differences among Muslims generating hate among Muslims? Something is wrong. And there's no shame in identifying in our own selves something that is wrong. So as much as some people say, oh, I identify with one of these students of Allah's Prophet, one of these associates of Allah's Prophet, the other companion of Allah's Prophet, the other individual from the household of Allah's Prophet. And then as a result of that, we begin to hate? No. Definitely there is something wrong with these people who, when they say whatever they are saying, results in us having defamation perceptions of the other Muslim. So we come back to the comfort of the ayah. إِنْ جَاءَكُمْ فَاسِقٌ بِنَبَأْ فَتَبَيَّنُوا أَنْ تُصِيبُوا قَوْمًا بِجَهَالَةً فَتُصْبِحُوا عَلَى مَا فَعَلْتُمْ نَادِمِينَ Now we take it a step further. The ayah in the Quran says, this is in Surah Al-Isra, ayah number 53. Say to my subjects, Allah Jalla Shatnu is saying, say to my subjects to speak what is best. This is one of the characteristics. I don't know if you've dug this out from your own culture. We come from different peculiar cultures. But when we encounter people from our own culture, that culture being related to Islam, either by tradition or by birth or whatever, we find that Muslims, and I'm talking about the average run-of-the-mill Muslim, they will try to identify a deficiency in the other. Obviously, the other Muslim or Muslims, they have their strong points and they have their weak points. So why is it that the normal inherited psychology of Muslims is they focus and they zero in on the weak points of a Muslim or a Muslim society, or a Muslim madhab, they zero in on the weak point 
And there's nothing wrong with that if it's done in a positive manner. Someone is weak and you want to build him. That is fine. But the problem is this psychology focuses on the weak point to try to bring that other Muslim down. And that is wrong. Something is wrong with us when we behave like that. The other ayah says, and this is in Surah Fussilat, ayah number 34, وَلَا تَسْتَوِي الْحَسَنَةُ وَلَا السَّيِّئَةِ إِدْفَعْ بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنُ فَإِذَا الَّذِي بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَهُ عَدَاوَةِ كَأَنَّهُ وَلِيٌّ حَمِيمٌ That means, okay, there are times, we are human beings. We are susceptible to moments of weakness in our lives. And when we encounter, when one Muslim encounters a moment of weakness in his brother Muslim, and when I say brother Muslim, this goes beyond madhab, it goes beyond nationality, it goes beyond ethnicity. We are speaking transnational, transracial, transmadhabi, transethnic, transclass, whatever the other Muslim is. If we encounter some weakness in his character or in their character, and that weakness we interpret as an offense against us from the position of certitude that committed Muslims are in, they have the leisure to dispel what is perceived to be a harm by doing what is right and what is good and what is favorable. The result of that, فَإِذَا الَّذِي بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَهُ عِدَاوَةٌ كَأَنَّهُ وَلِيٌّ حَمِيمٌ That type of behavior turns what appeared to be a hostility into a bosom buddy relationship. فَإِذَا الَّذِي بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَهُ عِدَاوَةٌ كَأَنَّهُ وَلِيٌّ حَمِيمٌ now there's another ayah in Surah An-Nahl. And I'm sure you've heard this countless times in your lives. Call to Allah's course of action in life with wisdom and with a mannered counsel and discuss issues with them, them here being Al-Yahud Wal-Nasara, Ahl Al-Kitab. This is how Allah and His Prophet are teaching us to interact and to discuss issues with Ahl al-Kitab. And we know there are serious 
theological and otherwise differences between us and Ahlul Kitab. Okay, we can't apply the same rule to our own selves. We can't say that we should discuss matters with wisdom and with good mannerism and counsel among Ahl al-Qur'an. We understand this ayah vis-a-vis Ahl al-Kitab. We can't understand this ayah vis-a-vis Ahl al-Qur'an when there are differences to be discussed. Let's say there is there are Islamic organizations in this world. It's not like we don't have Islamic organizations. Global, international Islamic organizations. At times like this, a Muslim whose heart is with Allah and his prophet would expect these international Islamic organizations, at least in the course of the year, to call a meeting of the ulama of the Muslims, the scholars of the Muslims, the intellectuals of the Muslims, the academics of the Muslims, Muslim journalists, Muslim diplomats, Muslim decision makers, Muslim officials, call them. If we don't call ourselves together at times like this, when is it that we are going to call ourselves, summon ourselves to a general worldwide assembly to sit down and discuss these issues per this ayah? Udu ila sabili rabbik bil hikmati wal mawidati al hasana wajadilhum. We can't do that among ourselves. Something has to be corrected in a very fundamental and substantial way so that we can live our Islamic life and our Islamic potential to its fullest as Allah Azza wa Jal expects us to do and as the Prophet of Allah may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his instructed us to do Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullaha li wa lakum ud'uhu subhanah wa antum ala yaqeenin bil ijabah wa tubu ila Allah إن الله تواب رحيم الحمد لله الذي هدى وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا المصطفى وعلى آله وصحبه أولي النهى والتقى Dear committed Muslims, brothers and sisters There's an ayah in Surah Al-Isra that says 
ان المبذرين كانوا اخوان الشياطين وكان الشيطان لربه كفورا those who spend irresponsibly those who spend without end are the counterparts of demons ان المبذرين كانوا اخوان الشياطين وكان الشيطان لربه كفورا and satan has been in a position of perpetual denial of allah of allah's authority and of allah's divinity as far as practice is concerned now when someone reads an ayah like that inna al-mubadhirina kanu ikhwan al-shayateen are we supposed to understand that this ayah applied to some historical figure and there's no longer mubadhirin there's no longer people who have budgets and treasuries and bank accounts who spend without responsibility who spend as if there's no tomorrow are we supposed to believe this kind of human being ceased to exist or are we supposed to think of this ayah and its meaning and then couple it with its human demonstration if there are human beings who meet the description the definition the meaning of this ayah then we'll come and say these people are mubadhirin now i know i tread on sensitive areas some people are incensed because what is general in the quran some muslims fear that what is general there becomes specific in our life this fear this type of fear has to disappear you can't fear understanding allah's meaning in your real life in real time you can't do that or else the quran and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the prophet alayhi wa alihi as-salatu was-salam they become museum items astaghfirullah so when in the past week or so a news item comes and this news item says to us and it comes from multiple multiple sources 42 billion dollars were spent by the rulers in the arabian peninsula to accrue weapons purchasing warplanes and tanks and other instruments or other merchandise armaments of war what for are they purchasing this to defend the muslims 
Or are they purchasing all of these weapons to kill Muslims? We don't have the right to think. Especially the record that is in front of us in the past 10, 20, 30 years. When they come and they sign these profligate contracts, what are they doing with these weapons? Putting them on the arid sands of the Arabian deserts to rust? Or are they using them to drop bombs on certain areas in the Muslim world? They're not dropping bombs to liberate colonized Muslim lands. If that was the case, we'd say we may exclude them from the word mubaddirin. The word in the ayah in Surah Al-Isra. But when they have a record, a living record, that says they're buying these arms to drop bombs uh, and kill innocent Muslim men, women, and children. Hospitals, clinics, funeral homes, schools, infrastructure. What, what is our mind supposed to do? Isn't it, isn't it fair to say that we have to expose those who are irresponsibly spending Muslim wealth? No one speaks about Ar-Rikas. That's one chapter of the long discourses on Zakah. Has anyone heard the word rikaz and petroleum or rikaz and nuft coupled together? No, that is forbidden. You'll, not, you'll never hear it from a minbar. You'll never hear it in a masjid. Why? Because it places financial responsibility on those who were given Allah's natural resources towards the deprived Muslims. Muslims who don't have a meal at the end of the day. Muslims who don't know the types of planes that are dropping bombs on their homes and their neighborhoods. The year 2016, if we were to take the Gregorian calendar, this past year has been a year of disaster. You can take the Hijri year, 1417, it's been a disaster on that regime in the Arabian Peninsula that has taken possession of Al-Haramayn. It's been, this is, it's beginning in two or three months, it's going to begin its third year in a war against the poorest country in the Arab world, or one of the poorest. One of the poorest 20 countries in the world. Why? Is there an ayah that justifies that war? Is there a hadith that justifies that war? In the past six years or so, it has spent irresponsibly on wars in Iraq and in Syria in particular. Where, what has it done? Its relationship with its allies in these years have frayed. 
Turkey has abandoned the Qatari Saudi ship. Why? Because it realized after much blood and much treasure spilled in these six years that this is a lost cause. That Saudi regime has cut back 500,000 barrels of oil a day and it is no longer the henchman in the OPEC cartel. It has lost its bets on the political structure in Lebanon. And after paying between 28 and 35 billion dollars to the Egyptian regime, it got nothing out of it. And then it promised Sudan some money to get involved in this war in Yemen. This is the same. What we are talking about on the international level is what you see here in Washington, D.C. It's money that speaks. There is no Quran and Sunnah in that masjid, in this Islamic center. It is riyals and it is dollars that are in this Islamic center. And then it's beginning to feel like it's losing its last outpost its last supporter in Washington, D.C. This JASTA, the taking them to court for 9-11, and the figures between three and five trillion dollars that will be shaken out of their budget and paid to these people here. This is what happens to people who begin their history and this is not a blank statement that includes all Muslims. It is a statement that should be taken seriously by those who influence the thoughts of Muslims. This is what happens when people historically say, Ali radiyallahu an and Muawiyah radiyallahu an. That's like saying in today's world, Saudi Arabia, may Allah be pleased with it. And the Islamic movements, may Allah be pleased with them. Can't you see the contradictions in what you are saying? And this, this defender of Saudi Arabia here in Washington, D.C., it just ended the year 2016 by dropping 26,171 bombs. How does it feel? How does it celebrate Christmas? Does Jesus authorize in one year the dropping of 26,171 bombs? And now the number of Americans not on the labor force have gone over 95 million. To be exact, 95,102,000. And in addition to all of that, 2016 is the hottest year that, was, that has been recorded. Aren't there some implications, some suggestions, some direction in this information obviously this information means nothing to those who are detached from Allah a remark here 
on the 2016 being the hottest year on record. When the prophets, you read the Quran, when the prophets came to their people, they told their people, you better change. You better change your societies. You better change your power structures. You better change your decision making. Or else terrible things are going to happen. What were the terrible things that happened to civilizations and empires before us? They were de- How were they destroyed? By what is called today natural disasters and catastrophes. Floods, tornadoes, hurricanes, cyclones, earthquakes, you name it. That's another word for climate change. When science today is beginning to detect that catastrophe is years away or decades away, that's as if prophets were speaking to their societies. But what do the people in power and the people who have money say? They make fun of it. Just like they made fun of prophets thousands of years ago. They're making fun of the extent of their own knowledge today. And you can comment on that as much as you want. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna attiba'ah. Wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ajtinaabah. Wa la taj'alhu multabisan alayna. Waj'alna lilmuttaqina imama. ربنا لا تؤاخذنا إن نسينا أو أخطأنا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إصرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين ربنا صل وسلم وبارك على محمد وآل محمد وعلى إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها وإذا حكمتم بين الناس أن تحكموا بالعدل إن الله نعم يعظكم به إن الله كان سميعا بصيرا ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة Allah, 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 Allah,